The oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear, and the oldest and strongest kind of fear is fear of the unknown. H.P. Lovecraft. Hello and welcome back to the Turnright Podcast. This is episode 105, analyzing why The Haunting of Hill House is such a satisfying Netflix series. From time to time, I do review TV shows or movies and talk about kind of the implications of the characters, plot, and everything like that. I think it's really helpful to see stories illustrated on the big screen um, and see how writers and directors portray those emotions that us novel writers are also trying to portray. And I think it can be really helpful to analyze and break down uh, popular TV shows or movies. My boyfriend and I have recently been watching The Haunting of Hill House. I know we're like really behind on that. And I think we've gotten through about five episodes. So I do not know the ending. So keep that in mind with my analysis. It's about a midpoint analysis. But I have a lot of thoughts about the show and I really wanted to make this episode. I also thought it was like the perfect time of year to do this with Halloween coming up. So I figured maybe it's actually a good idea to make it. I won't give away too many spoilers then if you haven't seen it. So number one, I think I'm really, really impressed with this series because of the intricate backstories of the characters. They are so well explored. They are so intricate. Um, You know, each character really has their own um, distinctive personality. And this creates intrigue and empathy for the characters because we really know what's going on inside of their heads and we really know their past, or at least we think we do. I mean, there is some unreliable narrator going on there, but, um, you know, we're digging deep enough into the backstory of each character that we can really empathize with them. I mean, there's Luke. We understand that he was this little kid that was just not believed growing up at all. And he was very, very affected by his mother's supposed suicide and he turned to drugs and substance abuse to mitigate that pain inside of him. Contrasted with Shirley, one of the older children, she really turned into this icy cold machine where she doesn't let any feelings encapsulate her. She's very robotic in nature and she's very different from Luke and how she handled her pain. And then we also see Theo, who's kind of like this medium who has this special sense about her where she can touch things and instantly understand them. And Theo is kind of angsty. She's not as cold as Shirley. We, we can tell like Theo has these emotions, but she doesn't give in to them either. She chooses anger to face them. And then this is contrasted with Nell, the most lovable of them all. She has some mental issues going on. It seems like she was most like her mother. And she's very empathetic towards her brothers and sisters. And we see what she does for Luke and how she confronts Stephen. So all of these different characters have these different moving parts, different backstories. It creates a lot of empathy and also really keeps the story moving. This story is very character-centric for being a thriller. The changes and similarities from when the characters are younger to old are very interesting. I really like seeing the use of flashback and how the characters evolved from young people to these adults and kind of seeing how their place in the house really affected them growing up. 
And I think for anyone that likes psychology or trauma theories or anything like that, I think you would find this show very interesting because I think you could really see the evolution of these people and how childhood impacted them in their adult life, which is a very psychological Freudian type thriller. And I really haven't seen many books or TV shows or movies really like this. I mean, I'm sure there are some, but to the extent that they're exploring childhood and the juxtaposition between childhood and adulthood is really fascinating to me. There are definitely novels out there that really do explore childhood from the perspective of one character, but to have so many different characters' childhoods explored and woven in like that is just really fascinating to me. Number three, the characters have distinctive enough personalities where it is interesting to have each episode be a deep dive on a different character. This wouldn't work if all of the characters had the same reaction as Shirley or who were kind of knockoffs of one another. We see um, each character behaving differently. I mean, Steven, he's kind of like the quote-unquote normal one who really hasn't been affected by this all, but he's also the sellout and he's getting quick and rich off of his family's past trauma and how he has become a novel writer, but he also has some difficulties in his marriage, so his world is not picture perfect. He's also pretty harsh with his siblings, and I think it was interesting how the story opened with Stephen interrogating that woman and trying to understand the story of her husband, and since I'm only halfway through, I'm interested to see how that plays out, but um, you know, the story kind of starts with Stephen and sort of his his doubts about um, believing his family's trauma. And, you know, he's just kind of like, ghosts aren't real. So that's a very distinctive personality from Nell, who's very consumed by all of this, who, you know, is seeing this woman in her dreams, who's haunted by her, who is saying, you know, this woman killed her husband. Very contrasting to Stephen's flippant error about the situation. And as I mentioned before, there's Luke and Shirley who also have very different responses to the trauma. Theo, she's kind of this badass. Uh, She's into girls. She doesn't really care what people think. She is going to tell it like it is. And then of course, the mother and father who I assume there will be episodes about them in the future. I am really suspicious of the father now. Um, after I think it was either the fourth or fifth episode, what was revealed in that. And I'm just like, hmm, was it really a suicide? But I think if you're going to include a lot of different characters in any type of story, they have to really be distinctive and worthy enough of being in the story. Because otherwise, if you're using multiple characters just for the execution of plot, it's going to be boring and not satisfying. And you also probably could have incorporated the plot in a little bit better, a little bit more seamlessly by just using a few characters. I find a lot of like lit fic type books like The Nest or Little Fires Everywhere, to me those characters were all just like way too similar and unnecessary and I think they actually slowed down the pacing of those novels. But whereas in The Haunting of Hill House, the characters are different enough to carry their own stories. Number four, unreliable narrator is used. I love this technique. I know some people don't, 
but there's tons of unreliableness going on. First off, they're kids. So when you're a kid, you know, you usually don't remember things exactly as it was. Um, So that's one use of it. Another use is there's a lot of mental illness going on. Um, You know, what's mental illness? What's reality? You know, are the ghosts just mental illness manifested? Um, So I think those are some questions that I have. And all of this increases increases the suspense of the novel. Um, And the novel is more psychological in nature rather than these big bangs. And I think that the unreliable narrator really adds to this technique. Now I'm even suspecting the dad because, you know, is Nell now remembering things correctly? Should we believe her perspective or should we believe Steven and the dad was the good guy driving them out, getting them to safety? I don't know. And finally, number five, the pacing is really good. Um, it's not too fast. It's not too slow. Flashbacks are used. I feel like we're spending enough time with each character, which rarely happens these days. I feel like authors, um, Hollywood, it's all about these big bangs chasing gory gun scenes. And this is not the case. There are some jump scares thrown in, but it's really, really psychological in nature, really more about the whodunit and the character development. I think the pacing is used as more of a metric for suspense rather than flat-out horror, which I like. I think that's more effective for me personally. I know some people may not feel that way, but I prefer to do more of a deep dive into the characters' heads, and that gets me really, really invested in the story. So those are five reasons why I think The Haunting of Hill House is a really great series on Netflix. I'm going to definitely finish it probably watch The Haunting of Bly Manor as well. Just really thought this was so well done. Love the characterization, love the pacing, really interesting backstories, and definitely satisfied me as a viewer. Let me know what you thought of this episode of this TV series. If you have any other books or TV shows you want to recommend to me to read or review or watch or whatever, let me know. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening. As always, keep writing, keep reading, and keep querying, and I will talk to you on our next road trip.